Okay. Who's here? Okay, I'm going to begin shortly. I don't know if you let me see if I can pause the recording. All right, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um, 777. And um, why are we even going over this topic? <clears throat> As I put out, you know, people heard of 666. They talking about 1111, 444, all these cliche distractions. But there is an actual significance in the 777. And I wanted us to go over it because it is very important. So it's not just something to be going over. None of what we do is just because. But if you don't see the picture, you won't understand what the pieces are. We are about to experience and repeat what the forefathers experienced of the stuff we read. That's the bottom line. And so because we're about to repeat it, you might want to know the map. You know, Ali's right here with a map. Well, we don't talk about the spiritual map of what's about to come. Um, so this is like our GPS. Scriptures is our GPS. All right. So, <clears throat> Raphael, do you mind looking up the etymology of the word atonement and um, 
McGarvey, do you mind looking up the etymology of the word alignment? Let's do atonement first and then let's do alignment. So the etymology oh, hold on. Oops. of atonement is condition of being at one with others, a sense now obsolete from atone, um, reconciliation, satisfaction or reparation for wrong or injury, appropriation of an offended party. This is when you make everything as whole as possible. Um, you, try to, you try to make peace so that you don't go into the next season holding any grudges. There's a scripture that says you shall not hold any grudge against your people. So the grudges and all these other things, um, and you know, Raphael may know more about this, but you know, grudges will kill you. Grudges will give you cancer. Grudges will shut down your organs. Mm -hmm. So it's really for you that you get all of that stuff in order, not just for someone else, but for you, mm -hmm. okay? So the scripture said not to hold any grudge. This is the season to make all what it was in the beginning, one, all right? What is the etymology of alignment? <clears throat> Arrangement in a line, to arrange in a line arranging a line. They sound like they're saying the same thing. So what we've been doing for the last year is we've been doing these fasts every major moon phase. Every new moon, we fast and seven days in, in order, we've been fasting. We might have missed maybe three for the whole year. Um, but that's what we've been doing. And so we've been trying to get in alignment. My thing is, how can you get in alignment if you're not in atonement? And how could you get in atonement if you're not in alignment? So you can't just do one. You can't just get an alignment and you're not an atonement. You're not atoning. You're not trying to right the wrongs. You're not trying to make people whole. You're not trying to get to the bottom of things. If you try to get to the bottom of things and someone rejects it, that's your answer. If there's something that needs to be done that would make them whole and you could do it and you do it. But you're not in captivity. It's just you're trying to ease any kind of burden that's on you and try to ease any kind of burden on other people. You can't make those who don't get it, get it. But, you know, sometimes somebody's just waiting for that phone call. Um, so this is the day to make that. Some uncomfortable phone calls need to be made. Some uncomfortable interactions need to be made. Um, the irony, right, McGarvey yesterday that she was like, yeah, this is the season um, for as a, as a spiritual last week, this is the season of goodbyes. A lot of people are not going to get a chance to say goodbye. <clears throat> people forget that we're in a pandemic. You know, we're still in a season where you're going to lose people. We don't know if any of us will be on the phone at the end of the year. God forbid, but you don't know that. You don't know. I don't know. So this is the season to, you know what, let me make peace with this person. Um, and that's an uncomfortable space, but this is the intention of this particular season. All right, so let's move on. So the conversation is about the seventh month. <clears throat> so 
So let's see. Right now, they call it Rosh Hashanah. Now, they're not saying they're in the seventh month. Uh, a lot of our people are looking at the calendar of, they're looking at the calendar of the European and aligning themselves with the European um, time frame. I mean, since when you do that, the people are by nature contrary. That's what they do. Everything that Yah says, they have to do it different. So how do you use them as the calendar when you can look up at the moons? So what do they call the seventh month? And how do we even get to the seventh month? They call the seventh month Rosh Hashanah. And for them, you know what they're calling that? Just to show you how backwards, that's the beginning of their year. That's a lie. That's not what the scriptures say. So let's read that. Exodus 12 and 1. They're saying Rosh Hashanah, the seventh month, is the beginning of their year. Why are they saying that? Because they're saying that this is when the Most High finished his work and began their life. So this is their beginning. Well, no, it's the end of the Most High's work, but he gave you when is your beginning. So that disobedience is still inbreded in them. You can't follow anything that they do um, chronologically because there's always some twist, some kind of GMO in there in the way that they even practice obedience. All right, so let's look at what it says and how do we even calculate where we are, okay? Um, so Magari, uh Exodus 12, verse 1, please. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. What does the beginning mean? Can we look up the etymology of the beginning to see how these people are saying the end of the year is the first, is the new year? Because that's what they're saying. The seventh month is our new year. They're going to wait until the next moon because when you look at how they explain it, this is what they say. They say, um, it's around September, October. <laughs> They're still trying to align with the calendar. They're not saying it's the seventh month. They're saying September, October. They're given a time frame. So no matter what, they're going to try to make it September, October. Even if, even if things are changing, even if the planet's alignment is off, they're still going to try to force it to be September, October. Read that one more time. The Exodus or the etymology? Exodus 12 and 1. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the beginning of the land. I'm sorry. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So the first month of the year is the spring. How do we know? Because right after he explained to him when the beginning of months is, he said this is when the Passover is. So the Passover begins, and that's the beginning of months. And for us this year, not counting the calendar, but counting the moons <clears throat> consistently. In other words, I've had people who've been in sync <clears throat> with the same for the past five years or more, the same 
uh, months and then suddenly they switch. So we could have been doing the seventh month for a couple of years as exactly where it is, the time frame, and then because others have doing it a different time, they jumped on that bandwagon. It's like the popularity bandwagon. How does the months just skip? How do you skip a month? And they've been doing all that kind of stuff, skipping months, etc. Um, so according to how we've been calculating it for at least the last five years, the beginning of the of the of this year's was around February twenty fourth. I know that doesn't jive with the with the calendar, but it jives with the counting of the moons. And so from February 24th until um, now, August 18th, that's seven months. So August 18th was the beginning of the year. Of the, I'm sorry, the, the beginning of the seventh month. And then you count 10 days after the beginning of the, of the, of the seventh month. And you get what? August 28th which is today. Then when you read the scripture, we're going to read it. It says you begin the atonement day. So that's why we're in this atonement space right now. Okay. But we're going to read not only how we get and count the atonement, but we're also going to read how and what happens at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the seventh month. Sorry, I keep saying it. All right. So how do we calculate the, uh, the time and the season we're in? Well, the first part is the Most High said that the beginning of the year was the time frame when Moses and them came out of Egypt. It doesn't matter what is before then trying to calculate when the Most High created the earth and all that. He didn't say to do that. He didn't say when I created the earth. He said, this is the beginning of the year, so that's what it is, okay? How else do we calculate the beginning of the year? So let's take a look at Exodus, let's take a look at Genesis 1, verse 14 to 17. Um, Magar, if you could get that, and then uh, Raphaela, if you can get Ecclesiasticus 43 and 7. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be light in the firmament of heaven, to divide to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years for Verse 15. days they always skip over the days part which lights is going to let you know for days both one is going to let you know the day and one is going to let you know when the day ends and when that day ends how many hours is in a day? 24. So when is it nine? Oh, uh, 12 hours in a day. I'm sorry. <laughs> 12 hours in a day. 12 hours at night. And so the sun lets you know about that daytime. How do you know when it's day? When the sun comes up, <laughs> okay? And how do you know it's night? When the sun goes down. It doesn't get any more simple than that. When the sun comes up, it's day. 
And when the sun goes down, it's night. That's usually about 12 hours. Right? So the sun is the, is the light we're going to read that lets you know when is the day. The moon lets you know which day in the month. And so you can tell by how the moon is going, increasing and decreasing, what area or what time frame in the month you are. You can calculate. You look up, it's a full moon. You're like, man, it's probably the 14th, 15th day of the month. Back in the days, you watch some of those old movies. And what do they say? I will see you in three moons. What that mean? Three months. Three months. You think back then they was like, yo, pull out your uh, iPhone. Let's see, uh, see if we're going to meet up. They was doing that. You knew in three months, in three moons time, we will meet back here at the mountain. That means what you should be doing. You should be counting the most people moons we will meet here. At half moon, we will be back here at river. What do you do? You look up and you see you at half moon. What does that mean? What does half moon mean? See you in seven Spin. days. Mm -hmm. I will see you at the waning moon. Okay, well, I'll see you in how many days is the waning? If, if today was a full moon, and I said, I will see you at the waning half moon, when will I be seeing you? Seven days from today. Seven days from today. If it's a new moon and I said, I will see you at the waning half moon. How many days is that? 21 days from that day. 20, 21 days from that day. So simple. If it's an in-between day, say it's like you really don't know where the moon is, but the guy says, I will see you at the full moon. It's whatever time it takes for that full moon to come in. You may be a day so to do wait because he's gonna be the month you're in an hour and we put you're breaking up I don't know if it's you're breaking up you're going in and out sorry bear with me depending on if you are using an iPhone Android, they have started to make Monday the first day of the week. Pull it up. Pull up the days of the week on an Android. You'll see they start the day with Monday and then put Saturday and Sunday at the end of the week. So they're trying to confuse everybody. Raphael, let's see if you can pull up their scripture that says they shall seek to change times and laws. And also see if you could pull up the, 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 the calendar on an Android. And you're going to see some calendars, they're starting Monday as the first day of the week. But they can't change the moon and you can't change the sun. So we know that we will be together on the full moon. If the most high will. It don't take no rocket science. All you got to do is look up and be like, oh, okay, well, shoot, I better get going. It's going to take me a moon's, uh, uh, um, what does it say? It's going to take me a, a, a half or whatever, a day. It's take
You cut off again. Yeah, I can't hear you. Still can't hear you. Talk, I got more bars. <laughs> they start messing with the signal. Y'all hear me? And now we can hear, we hear you again because we lost you. Yeah, I got all my bars and it's still sh chopping in and out. They so fun. So the moon and the in our conversation. You see this? Okay, can y'all hear? Now we can. We hear you now. Okay. Bear with me. So I'll see you in the next, I'll see you in the next cycle of the sun. It's time, the next cycle of the sun, I'll see you in 24 hours. McGarvey, I will see you at the waning half moon in Marietta. Very simple. Raphael, was you able to pull up a calendar to show when the um, calendar to show that on some of the Android devices, they're making Monday the first day of the week. Let me see. I don't have an Android, but I'll see. No, I'm saying look Android. it up on the Google. Android Google. calendar. Yeah, Android calendar on Google. I've noticed that on my Android. Huh? So Sunday? Okay, good. It starts on the page I'm looking at. It starts on Monday. The page you're looking at starts on Monday, right? So who yeah. said that the calendar can start on Monday? So they have Saturday and Sunday at the end of the week. You see that? Can you see that? Uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, Saturday and Sunday at the end. Okay. So we got to pay attention to stuff like that because obviously somebody's trying to pull a fast one. Okay. All right. Please use that, pull up that scripture that says they should seek to change times and laws. I believe it's Daniel 7. Yeah, I have it. Uh, Daniel 7 verse 25. And he shall speak uh -huh. great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time in times in the dividing of time. So that scripture is talking about two different time frames. One is now we are being worn out by all of these things that are contrary to the most high. That's what wears us out. The scripture says in um, Ezekiel 9, it says that the Lord says, put a mark on the foreheads of those who sigh and cry for the abominations that be done in the earth. Worn out. You got people ready to get on a plane and just duck away because you're just worn out and tired of all the games that they play with us. What is the, what is the intention of the games that they play? To get you to give up. So they're going to change times. You're going to look on your phone. Well, I'm going to see you at the beginning of the week. Oh, I thought you meant Monday. No, oh, the beginning of the week is not Monday. Well, that's what my calendar says. <laughs> but you're not going to have that mistake if you say, I will meet you um, at the full moon. 
There's no mistake there. Okay? All right. So let's go back in. Bear me one second because I'm going to try to do something um, to see if I can possibly just call it. Because what I'm using is the internet. If the signal is bad or jumps, it'll be choppy. So let me just see if, if I could do something else. Texting the phone number, if we have a phone number for it, and the code. Yeah, give text me one it to second. Me and text it to Alex. Yeah. Continue one second as soon as that's done. One second. I'm going to talk while you do that. Mm -hmm. So as I'm saying, the goal is to wear us out because by wearing us out, you give up. That's why the scripture says, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. If you look around and you start feeling hopeless and like, you know what, man, I'm just sick of it. You got people that commit suicide because they're sick of it. You got people that starts to drink and use drugs. Thank you. Because Mm -hmm. they're sick of it. So what is the goal? The goal is they can't do anything to you that you don't allow. You know how they say never let a vampire into your house? Well, never let a vampire into your brain because your brain and your body is your house. Don't let them into your thoughts. So the things that you start to see, oh, here we go. They made the the calendar uh, Monday. (laughs) You start feeling like, man, I'm defeated. Oh, they just shot another one of the brothers in the back. What is that to do? psychologically make you feel defeated. So we can't pay attention and align ourselves with their calendar. You can't align yourselves with their clock. I mean, you got to look at it. Somebody said, meet you Monday. I mean, you got to find that balance between the world and the feet. But I'm saying, understand that their calendar and their intention is to change times and to loss. The second part of that scripture that says he shall be, he shall be what? Put in his hands for what? Um shall be and they shall be given and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time and it shall be given into his hands until the times and times and dividing of times when you look at what that means that means 360 then 360 times two and then 360 and half and you'll see in other scriptures it talks about 1260 days that 1,260 days without getting too far off is going to talk about the time frame after deliverance that the children of Israel will be in the wilderness before the opposition comes against them. We could cover that another time. Times, Wait, times can you, can you say that one more time so I can write that down? Time 
is 360 because that's a circle times mm -hmm. is 360 times 2 and the dividing of times is 360 and half and what do you get 1260 days what do they tell you well in a year there's 365 days not 365 days is 360. Okay. Um, and then in Revelation, we'll cover that at some point. I think it's Revelation 12. It talks about uh, you shall be from the face of the you shall be from the face of the eagle for uh, 1,260 days. But don't go into that now. I'm just giving you that information. We okay. Will go over I just wanted it. to write that down. All right. All right. So let's go back. So what do we have? We have, oh, hold on. Did you send the, uh, the text to, to Ali? I did. Right. Do you mind punching it in and calling in from that just in case? All right. So, um, so we have how we calculate the time of the year we're in. We have how you know that we're in the beginning of months. You have the ordinances that will be used, the moon, the sun, to calculate the times. They're not using any of that. So when they say, oh, no, it, no. Somebody said to me, um, no. Um, isn't, isn't tabernacles in October? I'm like, well, last time I checked, an octagon had eight sides. So I don't know how it could be October. This year, tabernacles will begin on September 2nd. That sounds like the seventh month to me. What does septe mean? What does the prefix sept mean? Seven. Seven. What does oft mean? Eight. What does nov mean? Nine. What does dec mean? Ten. Okay. So how is it going to be October anyway? All right. So clearly, um, we have to really look at aligning ourselves with the moon and not aligning ourselves with the calendar because the calendar may be, may be deceiving. All right. So finish reading where you are, and I'm going to tell you why it is their intentions to keep us out of alignment. Um, Raphael just read that they shall seek to change times and laws. They have. The Most High tells you certain things are unclean. They said it's not unclean. They said the reason why he said it was unclean is because you couldn't refrigerate it. That's why you couldn't eat certain things. And it's like, no, it's just unclean. It's not having anything to do with refrigerating it. It's unclean. As a matter of fact, how you know it's unclean is that you couldn't even redeem, if you couldn't even give a pig as an offering to the Lord. You can't even give a pig for an offering. It's unclean. You can't even offer it. Okay, he's very specific about what he... The Lord won't even accept a pig as a sacrifice. How are you going to put it in your body and say it's clean? It's for its purpose. It's the garbage can of the earth. And the shrimp is the garbage can of the sea. The crab is the garbage can of the ocean. And the cock is the house. I can't hear you at all. You're cutting up pretty bad. 
Can you guys hear me? No, we can't. It was Perfect. totally off. All right, hold on. Raphael, take that six four seven number. Take what? I'm sorry, you cut off. Take that six four six number off of mute. The one that's calling in. It's either six four six or six seven eight number. I can't take it off me because it's, um, um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. All right, I'm back. All right, thank you. Can you guys hear? Yeah. All right, I have to go in via phone. All right. Sorry about that. So the reason these people are very strategic, and if you don't understand what they're doing, you will fall in alignment with their um, adverse system. This not it's not unintentional that there's a calendar that is out of alignment. It is not unintentional that they're trying to make Monday the first day of the week. It is not intentional that they're changing laws to make things that are unlawful lawful. They're very strategic in what they're doing. The eventual goal, I remember watching a show one guy one guy was saying eventually there's not gonna be any any believers, any Christians, he was saying. And she's not going to be any Christians. Then you listen to the dialogue. They're using black people to talk against Christ. They're using black people to talk against the Bible, talking about African spirituality. We're going to read something later that shows that even the libation ceremony was a Hebrew thing. They've taken and mixed it with a little bit of African spirituality. It's a thin line. 
seems like it. How does scripture say? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Looks like it. Mm, seems like, yeah. But it's not. Yeah, we're going with the calendar. No, you're not. We have to get an alignment with the Most High and forget about the alignment with their calendars, with their clocks, with their uh, way of, of observing our customs, and we have to learn what is the proper way. You have some of our people dressing like Hasidic Jews and adopting their way, using words like Rosh Hashanah. It's not the first day of the year. The Most High said the beginning of the year is in the spring. Why are we doing that? Because they know that once you're out of alignment with the Most High, even a little bit, you're in alignment with them. They're in power. And we're going to look at that. So let's go back to where we was, McGarvey. And if you can just go back into um, Genesis and finish where you were. You were in 14. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for season and for days and years. Okay. Verse 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Right. Verse 16. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars okay. also. All those things are relevant. So if you understood the heavens and you understood the stars, you will know the purpose of them. They're not just there for no reason. Yes, you get light from them, but they also serve dual purposes or maybe even more than dual purposes. The moon regulates the waves, does it not? Mm-hmm. The tides. The, the tides. Someone told me that there's a specific time where you could go fishing in certain times where you won't catch no fish, and that is determined by the moon. If you understood it, it lets us know the days. The sun lets us know the hour. The alignment of the moon, I'm sorry, the alignment of the sun lets you know the season. He, it's all there, depending upon the creator. All right? Let's look at Ecclesiasticus 43, verse 7 more confirmation on what you should use. Why? Why is this important? Because it's about alignment and at one mint. You can't be in alignment and at one mint having two masters. We like to use the two masters thing thinking it's only about money. Two masters is who you listen to. You listen to the calendar of Pope Gregory and the moon of the Most High and having a conflict. Isn't it October? No, it's the seventh month. I don't care how you calculate it. Just don't look at the calendar. Most people are not counting the moons is what I'm saying. So they're, they're, they pop up but wanted to con conflict with you because they're looking on their calendar and it says Rosh Hashanah, but they haven't been counting anything else. They're not in alignment with nothing else. We've been fasting every moon phase for a year. If you fasted, you fasted on one of those seven days. You fasted on, if you fasted on any time I asked for us to fast, you fasted on a new moon. You fasted on a full moon. You fasted on a half moon. That's why I did it. All right. Who wants to read this? 
I got it. All right. Because you going to do any reading today? We ain't getting your voice on here at all. So grab your grab yeah, uh, your sword or online and do some reading. Okay. Yeah, I can. Um, Maybe I got You can jump up. in. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, McGarvey. Ecclesiasticus chapter 43 and verse 7. From the moon is the sign of feast. Of what? Of feast. Which feast? All the feasts. All of them. Wait. So, Pete Game. The Most High says that today is a Sabbath. They make you think that Sabbath is only Saturday. This month has seven Sabbaths. The new moon, the half moon, the full moon, and the waning half moon. The Day of Atonement, the beginning of Tabernacles, the end of Tabernacles. Seven Sabbaths. My thing is, how do these other people who say that Sabbath is only Saturday explain the other three Sabbaths. If Sabbath is, means seventh day, why are there three other Sabbaths not on the seventh day? And how do you calculate it? So when the, when the atonement comes in, how do you count the tenth day? By the calendar? Or by the moon. You see how they mess up? If you're going to count the tenth day by the moon, why are you counting the seventh day by the calendar? Is it two seventh days? That's what they want you to believe. No, there's two seventh days. There's a seventh day from creation, like if somebody could calculate that exactly. How you calculate that exactly? It doesn't make sense. How do you calculate the tenth day according to the moon, but the seventh day according to the calendar? That's serving two masters. Master Gregory and Master Yah. Gregory, the calendar maker. It's not supposed to be like that. One moon lets you know everything. Read that one more time, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 43, from the moon is the sign of feast, a light that decreases in her perfection. Of the moon is the sign of feast, a light that decreases in her perfection. Tell you how it goes in and out. So how do we calculate this seventh month feast? Well, when the new moon comes in, that's the um, seventh month. Then we count from there, seven days, it's the Sabbath. Then we count from there, 10 days, it's the of atonement. Then we count 14 days, and it's another Sabbath. And then we count the 15th day, and it's tabernacles. And then we keep counting until the um, end of the, of the tabernacles, and so on and so forth. Why are we bringing in some other force into there to justify the Sabbath? Because the Europeans told us that. And they're out of alignment with the Most High. And you're out of alignment with him as well. 
And the only time this subject comes up for those out of alignment is when you come into the holy days. The rest of the time, they fully in sync with a contrary to the most high system. Then they want to argue about the days with you. So that's not what we're doing. Read that one more time, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 43 and verse 7. From the moon is the sign of feast, a light that decreaseth in her perfection. Continue. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. I think I left my wallet. Um, oh. Okay. Hold on one second, guys. This way or that way? Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to navigate. Okay. So. A light that decreases in her perfection. What else does it say? Verse 8. The month is called after her name. The month is called after the moon. So we know that when the Most High said in Exodus, this is the beginning of months, this, this is the beginning of the moons. And we count it from there. All right. Continue. What else? Is, yes, what else is in there? Increasing wonderfully in her changing, being an instrument above, being an instrument of the armies above, shining in the firmament of heaven. So, I mean, so you could what he was talking about. The moon is still existing. So the most I didn't change, the moon didn't change. Why are we changing and, and adopting calendars? If there was no calendar, what would you do? What would you do? If you woke up from a coma and you had no calendar, what would you, how would you calculate where you are? You look at the season, you look at the moons, you'll get an idea. You know what? It's winter. <laughs> you know what? It's spring. And you'll go from there. Is it possible to be a month off? Absolutely. Is it possible for them to be a month off? Absolutely. Is it possible for us to be a month off? Absolutely. What's not impossible is counting the moon. And I know they're not doing that. That's the point. Now, someone could be like, hey, brother, I've been counting the moon for 20 years. I would, I would submit to that. Most of them are looking at the calendar, and it says Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and they're riding with that. And then want to argue with you following the European calendar. It makes no sense. All right. So we've been counting from February 24th only because that was when the first moon began. And it happened to fall in February. Who else uses February as year? Who else uses February as a new year? Anyone know? Google February New Year. See what comes up. I was going to say the, the Chinese, but let me check. Hold on. Yeah. February, New Year. Yeah, the Chinese. Why are the Chinese using February as their New Year? 
because they know something that we don't. They know something that we don't. So I'm saying for people that think it's far-fetched, like what kind of, why would the year begin in February? Because that's when it begins for a lot of people. Asia. So, and it's around the time when they're, when they're kicked in, it was around the same, if not the same date. Okay, so people don't even know why the year starts in January. They don't even know why the year starts in January. They don't know a lot of things. Okay, so all of that has to be investigated. But the main point that uh, Raphael brought out in in, in Daniel 7.25 is that they shall seek to change times and laws. Why? Because it throws you off. Why does he want to throw us off? Now, let's go into some of the meat of the matter. Let's look at Judas. I'm on it. Chapter 5, verse 17. This is probably a favorite for Magari, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Y'all know when we tap in what's going to happen, so keep you tapped out. Judas, verse 17. And whilst they sinned not before their God, they prospered because the God that hateth iniquity was with them. Verse 18. But when they departed from the way which he appointed them, they were destroyed in many battles very sore. When they depart from the way, yeah, because, you know, uh, yeah, we're going to do it in October. Uh, we're going to do it on Saturday. Uh, well, there's really nothing wrong with eating a little bit of pork. Uh, you know, I have gelatin in, on my uh, tablets that I take or whatever. We're doing all these little things. They add up. All these little sins, all these little things add up. And what does it do? It takes you out of alignment. What is he trying to do? Get you in alignment. Get you in at, at one minute. So does it matter? Yeah, it matters. Because they know that whenever you out of alignment, they stay in power. Who else knew that? Satan knew that. God said that we shouldn't eat anything that is of the tree of the knowledge going to eat. Ah, come on. You're not going to die. That's the modification. That was the first GMO. Ah, come on. God knows. He knows your heart. Yeah, that's why they did it, because your heart is wicked. <laughs> he does know your heart. He sent somebody to test it. So they know that when you are in the sync or in alignment with your God, you're in power, and they know when you're out of sync with your God that you are not. So what do they do? They do everything to get you to be distracted out of sync with your God. That's why it's important for us to do what we're doing. Does everybody understand? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I I had a, a question, so... I heard um, the argument that it doesn't matter what days because when the Most High brings us into the wilderness, he's going to restore the right days and times. Well, it does matter because we are adults. Yes, he will restore, but you may not make it being out of alignment. There's different levels of being out of alignment. That's like saying... The most high is going to come, so when you get locked up for hustling and selling weight, 
you're still going to be delivered and be in the wilderness. Yeah, but you may not make it out of that prison. Look at the guy that was calling himself the comforter, Jermaine Grant. Jermaine said he was the comforter. Now, he might have made it into the wilderness to be judged, but that little statement saying he's the comforter caused him to gain a few dollars, and then somehow when COVID-19 kicked him, they killed him. They killed him because he fell into their hands. Same thing. If he was in alignment with the Most High, he might not have said he was the comforter, and he might still be alive as a student of the Most High. So everything matters, my man. It's not, nothing is out of mattering. It all matters. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so even that level of whatever prophecy, you got to get to that point for that even to be relevant. You got to get specific. to that point. Exactly. You talking about yeah. something that you may not make it to. And then you have to come back as somebody's child and learn it in after the wilderness. Because the scripture does say, all Israel shall be saved. How? You're going to have to come back and learn it because you didn't want to observe it. Also, in the scriptures, it says, I think it says Judges 5.11. I may have this wrong. It says, in the place of running waters, it says, there shall you rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord. <clears throat> what is that talking about? See somebody can pull that up, please. Place of running waters. What does that mean? In the noise of archers, it should say somewhere in there. I think it's Judges five eleven. That is Judges five. Um, it says, "I'll start from verse ten. Judges chapter five and verse ten. Speak, ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way." They that are delivered from the noise of archers in the place of drawing water, there shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the Where's righteous this? acts. Where's the place that will be delivered from the noise of archers? And what type of archers make noises? Guns? Huh? <laughs> Guns? <laughs> That's funny. No, no, nuclear bombs coming out of silos make noises. Oh. Ah. Those that are delivered from what? Thermonuclear bombs. Why? Because this place is prophesied to become a place of, of total destruction. How do we know that? Um, stay where you are, McGarvey. Adam, get Revelation 17, 17. Revelation. How do we know? We know this place is going to give birth to a nuclear bomb. So who's going to be delivered from the place with the noise of archers? Not, some people are going to die here. And we're in the season of goodbye. So some of the people we know are going to perish this year. What, what year? This year. You know, I mean, everybody that I know, I know at least four people have passed. <clears throat> it's not a game. Like, people are dying at an extraordinary rate amongst our people. And not until it touches home and be like, yo, this is real. Because it's burial. There's a whole process to deal with. Yeah. In the last month alone, four deaths. Yeah. In close proximity to people we know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking because of this nuclear bomb. I was like, when did this happen? Who, who? No, they're dying, but there's going to be more deaths is what it's saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. So read that one more time. 
Uh, read, read Revelation 17, 17, yeah, and then we're going to go that. back. I got All right, let's hear it. For Elohim hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. Go one more verse. Uh, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Read a little louder so everybody can hear Adam. All right. Yeah, wait, so, all right. Let me go. 17. For Elohim has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. And the but woman, go up one more verse. Go up yeah, one more verse of 16. Was, so we was, can. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And the ten okay. horns, verse 16, which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. And shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. That means For that the European King. Union, the European Union, which represents the beast with seven heads and ten horns. How do we know? Because they are the ones who inherited the kingdoms of the world since Alexander. Since Alexander the Great until now. They have been in power except for maybe a thousand years, the Dark Ages, and then what did they do? They came back out, had a renaissance, and ruled since. They are the last beast spoken about in the scripture and represent the beast with seven heads and ten horns that will rule until the Messiah returns and takes back the world from them. That's how it's written. So yeah. it can't be nobody else. So the so ten horns... The, the ten horns represent ten kingdoms. That's going into the different kings and the different rulerships. I don't want to go into that portion. I just want to identify who the beast is and who the whore is. Yeah. The beast represents the Greco-Roman Empire and their offspring to this day. How do we know? Because after Alexander... In the prophecy in Daniel, it said that after Alexander, which was represented as the goat, there will be a beast that came up that will be more dreadful than any other beast. And it will remain until the end. Here we are in the end, in the latter days. That beast is still in power. We know that beast is in power because the next empire to rule after the beast is the Messiah's empire and kingdom forever. So it can't be nobody else, chronologically. This beast with seven heads and ten horns that represents the Greco-Roman Empire, the European Union, right now, hates the whore that is riding upon the beast. That whore that rides upon the beast is the last offspring of that beast, not offspring, but the last um, made-up empire that is riding on the beast, benefiting from the beast, which is America. America mm -hmm. is the whore that sitteth upon many waters. Why? You read Revelation 17, the same chapter, further up. It says that this whore is um, doing, um, having fornication with the merchants of the, of the earth. What does fornication mean? It means commerce. Yeah, it says, According and the, to the law dictionary. In purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having golden Correct. cup in her hand. Hold on. Don't read if I don't ask you to read, Adam. 
Oh, Don't read okay, until you yeah. This whore that is sitting upon this beast represents the country we're in right now. The beast that she's riding upon is going to turn around and do what? Burn her with fire. How do we know we're getting there? Coronavirus, what the first thing that Trump said? Y'all can't come over here. <laughs> he banned the beast from coming over here. And the beast said, all right, you can't come over here. This is the deterioration of the relationship between the European Union and America. Why is there a beef? Because America is the figment of someone's imagination. It is being run by the Rothschild family. And there's beef between who's going to control the entire world. China's not having it. Russia's not having it. Venezuela's not having it. Iran is not having it. America's with it. Uh, Jerusalem is with it. And a couple little allies. Well, as far as who's going to be the ultimate ruler. And some guys with some big guns and some big um, nuclear bombs is not having it. So the prophecy says, well, they're going to turn around and burn the whore with fire. We are in the whore and the fire is the nuclear destruction. So let's read that again, Revelation 17, verse 16 and 17, to understand that the beast representing the Greco-Roman Empire, the European Union, will burn this country to hell. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not only in scriptures, it's in secular knowledge they're saying that Russia will invade America. It's in secular knowledge. Other spirits <laughs> confirming it. Even their movies, they show it. Anytime they show the future, it's always desolate. Like Max and uh, uh, Max and what they call it, Max something, Mad Max, and all those other movies. You always see it totally destroyed. Even when you look at Matrix and they look at the old world and look like what it's been burned to hell. So it's in their spirit. It's in their movies. It's in their secular knowledge. It's in the Bible. So read that again, please. Okay. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Okay. And what else are they going to do after they finish burning her with fire? For Elohim hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree mm. and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of Elohim shall be fulfilled. And they give their kingdom to the beast. Who is the beast? Really quick, not to get too far off, but let's look at Revelation chapter 13 and 1. Just to understand the power behind this beast. So it's three different entities. It's the devil, the beast, and the kingdoms who he empower. Let's read that and let's see how the chronological power system is set up. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. I think seven heads and ten horns, 
upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. The name of what? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. They hate the Most High, and they hate any product of the Most High. And what else are they going to do? And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon okay. gave him his power. And Who his, gave him his power? The dragon. The dragon gave the beast his power, and then these kingdoms of the earth gave their power to the beast. So the dragon, which is the devil, is ruling the powers that be who submit to the beast. Is that clear? No, that's deep. So the beast... Now, who's the dragon? Revelation chapter 12, I think verse 10 or something like that. It'll tell you. 12? Who's the dragon? This is kind of meaty, but I want to make a point. So you can make it understood what you what kind of kingdom you're under right now. So how could you follow their calendar? Huh. It right. makes no sense. You follow the devil's calendar and the powers that be that allow it. And the laws that he changed that allow it. Read that, please. Revelations 12, I think it's 10, either 10 or 12. It tells yeah, you the not. dragon. It's Revelations 12. Uh, verse 9. And the nah, great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Hashatan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Read it one more time. You gotta read I want to hear every And the dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Hashatan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Right. So the devil is the dragon. And the dragon is the beast. Beast is the Greco-Roman Empire. And these kings of the earth, or these presidents, or these world rulers, gave their power to the beast. So how could we follow anything that is there. You need to run from all of their stuff because it is what? Satanic. Let's go back to Judges 5.11. Let me make my point. Judges chapter 5 and verse 11. They that are delivered from the noise of archers in the place of drawing water. They're Stop for a there. Second. Mm -hmm. They that are delivered from the noise of archers, why? Because there's going to be some silos opening up, and you're going to hear, Shh. that is the noise of archers. It, because a typical arrow and bow don't make that kind of noise. This sounds like some noise noise. And many years ago, the Lord showed me in a dream that planes without wings are bombs. Those are also archers. You ever heard a plane falling out of the sky? It's a bomb. Oh, okay, I understand. Okay. So you have the noise of archers 
representing anything coming out the sky making a sound. Bombs, rockets, nuclear bombs, all of it. Those that are delivered from the noise of archers, going with Adam's point as far as, well, we're going we're gonna to be set right in the, in the kingdom. You may not make it from the noise of archers in the place of drawing waters. What does the place of drawing waters mean? Let's look at Exodus chapter 1. I believe it's, um, I'm sorry, is it 1? The one that talked about Moses when he got his name, when he was drawn out of the water. I think it's Exodus 2. When he got his name. It's either 127 or something like that. Forgive me, I'm driving. But Moses got his name because it meant drawn out of the water. Exodus. Let me just get to the point. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 10. And the child grew, okay, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became, and he became her son. And she called his name right. Moses, and said, "Because I drew him out of the water." That's what drawing out of the water means. So, what is that Egypt? Where was the place of drawing waters? Egypt. That's where Moses was drawn out of the water. America is called spiritually what? Sodom and Egypt. So the place of, of where the where you will be delivered from the noise of archers is America, where the nuclear bombs will be making the sound, is spiritually Egypt. You gotta make it out of this before you talk about anything. It could be corona, it could be getting choking on a pork sandwich, it could be you so stressed you wanna kill yourself. Whatever your situation, getting there. Then you could talk about kingdom stuff. Hmm. So they can't talk about the kingdom stuff. They got to first talk about if you will make it to through 2020. That's the conversation. How do you make it past 2020? All right. Finish reading Judges 5:11 so we can put it in perspective. In the place of drawing waters, delivered Judges. from the sound of the no of the of the noise of archers, nuclear bombs. What are you going to be doing there in that place? Judges chapter 5 and verse 11. They that are delivered from the noise of archers and the places right. of drawing water, there shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord. What Even does the, the rehearsal righteous... mean? What is a rehearsal? Let's look to up the give etymology. an account of what is a rehearsal based on the definition? To practice. To practice. <laughs> what you going to be doing in America before the arches, before the nuclear bombs? Practicing. Practicing. What are we doing? Practicing. So how could you wait until then? What you going to do? We going we going to whoop our calendars in the wilderness? We going to look up and we going to do exactly what we doing now. I'm sure nobody's iPhone is going to work in the wilderness. The only eye that's going to work is your eye looking up. <laughs> All right. Judges 5.11. So is that... Verse 11. So, so, we, so we did that. So we got that. Is everybody clear on that? Yes. Um, I, so... Uh, the judges was bringing out uh, the point of being drawn out the water or the point of... Um... The, judge, 
the judges is bringing out the point of rehearsing the righteous acts of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Which is what they're not saying. They're saying keep Torah, but they're not saying that you have to rehearse it as it is. Can't keep Torah in the devil's calendar. Can't keep Torah in the devil's days when he's telling you the days is. You can't modify and make the Most High's word GMO and start putting stuff in it that's not it. Let's move on. Do you right. want me to continue, so, Judge? No, we're done with that. I just wanted to make that point that we have to come out of alignment with the system and get in alignment with the Most High. Okay. We were in Judith chapter 5. Did you want me to finish that? Verse 18? Yes. Judith chapter 5, verse 18. But when they departed from the way which he appointed them, they were destroyed in many battles very sore and were led captives into a land that was not theirs. And the temple of their God was cast to the ground and their cities were taken by the enemies. What verse you in now? Uh, that was verse 18. Continue to 21. Verse 19. But now are they returned to their God and are come up from the places where they were scattered and have possessed mm. Jerusalem, where their sanctuary is, and are seated in the hill country, for it was desolate. Verse 20. Now, therefore, my Lord and governor, if there be any error against this people and they sin against their God, let us consider that this shall be their ruin. And let us go up, and we shall overcome them. If they're out of alignment, we got them. The minute they're out of alignment, we got them. But when they're in alignment, we better leave them alone. Read them. Verse 21. But if there be no iniquity in their nation, let my Lord now pass by, lest their Lord defend them and their God be for them, and we become a reproach before all the world. If they're in alignment, leave them alone because you're not going to win. So the power of Israel and the power of our people is in obedience. And the destruction of our people is in disobedience, whether you know it or not. Ignorance is not an excuse. Did you finish 21? That was the end of 21, yes. Okay. Look up sin ignorantly. And there's a scripture in Leviticus that talks about sinning ignorantly. Like some people go, what if you don't know? Like, does that make you exempt? No, it doesn't. It just makes you suffer and not know why you suffer. The responsibility is on the teachers to teach, the students to listen, and for people to apply. I see one so in Numbers 15. Let's see what it says. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 28. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly, when he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord, to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Read up a few verses because it goes into how he sinned ignorantly. Uh... Yes. 
Uh, I think it starts from verse 22. Uh, Numbers chapter 15 and verse 22. And if ye have erred and not observed all these commands, which the, which the Lord spoke unto Moses, even all mm -hmm. that the Lord hath commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day that the Lord commanded Moses and henceforward among your generations, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the mm -hmm. congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor unto the Lord, with his meat offering and his drink offering, according to the manner, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it is ignorance, and they shall bring their offering and a, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. And it shall so not be forgiven. There, so, so when you sin ignorantly, you don't need to do nothing? You just need to just do nothing? Or you, there's something you need to do? You need to make an atonement. You need to make an atonement. What are we doing right now? <laughs> We're atoning. You get what I'm saying? So Absolutely. it's something that we have to do. We, we're not, well, I, I know. What happens when you don't know with the police? They be like, well, now you know. <laughs> they give you a ticket. Well, now you know. So it's the same thing that applies to us. You're not exempt because you didn't know. You're still accountable. It's something, something you got to do. The scripture says that those in the future who didn't know their Lord's will will be beaten with what? Few stripes. And they that knew their, their Lord's will and did it not will be beaten with what? More stripes. But you're going to get what? All right. So let's not play the ignorant card because we will be held accountable for what we do. You're held accountable by man, you're going to be held accountable by the Most High. And guess what? The people who know better, that don't teach the other ones that, know, that don't know better, are going to be held accountable too. So all that, uh, you know, keeping it to myself, no, you got to teach. It says that if you put your hands to the plow and turn again, you will become un unworthy. Or if you be made for a certain purpose and you don't do it, you'll be, you'll be hewn down and cast in the fire. He don't need worthless people with knowledge watching other people suffer. But this kind of access that people have where they just want to use and abuse and not apply, that's not going to happen either. Those who want to, to live a better life can follow through. The rest will get general information and, and pre-recorded stuff because it is a value. And if you don't value it, you don't need it. Now you can hear it, and then after you hear it, it's on the person who heard it to apply. So we have a responsibility to get the word out, but we don't have a responsibility to chase people and or beg them to do right. It's in their best interest. All right, so we're done with that. Let's move on. They call it Rosh Hashanah. Some people here, they, they blow the shofar, which is the ram's horn, at the beginning of the year. Let's go into the breakdown of what happens during this time of year in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 32. Raphael, are you still with us? Yes, I'm still here. Are you understanding everything that's going on? 
I am. Okay, I am. you see the importance of us turning from um, being in alignment with the world and being in alignment with the Most High and why they deliberately try to make us be out of alignment. Are you clear mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, I'm clear on that. All right. Let's go into Leviticus chapter 23, verse 32, and see the significance of the 777. So we know we're in the seventh month. We know on the seventh month is the beginning of the, the month, and it's also a Sabbath. Trumpets. Trumpets. Then seven days later, the seventh day is what? The Sabbath. Half moon. Mm -hmm. Half moon. Seven days after that is what? Full moon, Full moon. Which is the 14th day. Usually the 14th day of the month is a Sabbath. And so is the 21st day of the month. And so is the 28th day of the month. The month according to the moon, not according to the calendar. So let's get into it and see what it says that we should be doing. Let's start Leviticus 23. See where it starts with the, um, with the trumpets scripture? I think that's a few verses up from, the, um, from verse 32. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High. What's a holy convocation? Gathering. Gathering. What is the etymology? I'm about to look it up right now. Look it up. Convocation, assembly of persons, the calling or holding of a meeting, assembling by summons. Now, the Mosai says there's three times of the year that all men must appear before him. <clears throat> no, we're not going to go to Jerusalem because it's condemned right now with, our, with strangers in it. But being present does not mean being physically present only. It means being aware and being in alignment and being in harmony with the same thing. So presenting yourself before the Most High is also being present and aware of what you should be doing in this season. Um, there's something that I want Raffaella to read before we continue on this convocation piece. Hold on. I want you to read where it says Antiquities under the red... Um, write up Antiquities 487. This is from the Josephus. I'll send you guys the notes after. This information right. is from the Josephus, but I just want you to read the excerpt from it on what it said should be happening during the period of time that we're in. All right. Antiquities 487-203. Let those that live even as remote as the bounds of the land which the Hebrews shall possess Come to that city where the temple shall be, 
three times in the year that they may give thanks to God for his benefits and may entreat him for what they shall want in the future. And let them, by these meetings and feastings together, maintain an affectionate connection with one another. What is the reason for them coming together? Maintain an affection uh, connection with one another. You don't have to be like, yo, I ain't seen this dude in, yo, that's your son? Wow. Yo, how old is he now? 20? Wow. You have to do all that. That should not happen. You should be seeing each other at the very least three times in the year. Why? Because you know each other. You're familiar. Your children are familiar with each other. You have an affection. You can't develop love and you don't gather. You should be at home with each other. What are the three times? Um, three times a year. What are they? Uh, Deuteronomy see. 16, 16. Adam, please read Deuteronomy 16, 16. Did I lose you guys? No, we're here. Okay, no, we're here. I was muted. I don't know if Yeah, know. I was muted. I was oh. muted. Yeah. Okay, so Deuteronomy okay. sixteen and sixteen. Deuteronomy sixteen, sixteen. Mm -hmm. Reads three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Yah thy God in the place which he shall choose. In the feast of unleavened bread. And in One. the feast of weeks. Two. And in the feast of tabernacles. Three. They so what are they? Unleavened bread, which is the beginning of the year. The feast of weeks, which is 50 days after the first time you meet. And then tabernacles, which is by the Most High's grace next week. So do we have the op? Nah, man, I, you're not really trying to hang out with nobody. You need to appear at the place where he chooses. So you got to listen. Well, I don't know. Like, what we got? I don't know. I got to see. And then he made it clear. Okay, this is what we're doing? Cool. Like, he has to provide. Do we have to go fly to Jerusalem and, and do all that? You're in a corrupt place. I mean, we are. Wherever we are is where the place is. Where the sons and daughters of the Most High are is where the place is. Wow. And the Apocrypha says, I made the people, I made the place for the people's sake, not the people for the place's sake. Because if you could pull that up. I made the people, I made the place for the people. Not the people for the place. We worship things. You go into the wall, talking about a Solomon step, and you knocking your head against the wall and not realize that we are the building of the Most High. I went over there with McGarvey just the other day. We are the building. When he told David to build him a house that his son will build, David thought it was Solomon. It wasn't even talking about Solomon. It was talking about the Messiah. The Messiah is the corner store, cornerstone of the building, and his sons of the Most High are the rest of the building and the temple of Yah. But we'll cover that. We are idolaters. 
We idolize the book itself. We idolize the day itself. We idolize the place itself and overlook the people. We are, the people are the place. But we'll cover that. What if you got a bunch of Pharisees together in, a, in the temple of the Most High? That's the place? Why did the Messiah then go somewhere else with his disciples then? Why he didn't even go and be amongst them for Pastor? He's like, yo, go tell this dude here, set up a house, tell him the master of the house wants you to set up a place. And did a whole different ceremony away from Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Because they weren't the temple of God. They weren't the temple of the Most High. Him gathering with his dudes was, was, was it. We'll cover that. All right. So where did we leave off? Deuteronomy 16, 16, one more time. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before Yah, the Elohim, in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before Yah empty. You come in, you don't have nothing in your hand. You just come to eat. You ain't bring nothing. You ain't bring wine. You ain't bring a plate. You ain't bring no money. You ain't brought nothing. You just there. Disrespectful. Certain certain families, like certain Caribbean families, I don't know how it is with some of the um the families that that were dropped off here in America or other places, but it is disrespectful to show up at somebody's house with nothing. They say, don't come with your two hands swinging free. It is disrespect to show up, especially to a gathering, and bring nothing. And we're reading why. <laughs> so when we gather, bring something. It's respect. Hey, brought us for the house. Bought some juice. Bought some water. Uh, we made a we made a plate, something nice. We bought some pastry. Hey, I stopped off and grabbed the cake. Just don't bring the cake on Passover. You know, it's interesting uh, in Brazil when we have uh, when people put together parties or um, uh, what's the word any type of gathering. Let's say mm -hmm. we invite you to come. Like oh, I'm having a birthday party or having a celebration. Uh, and mm -hmm. we're inviting you to come and you bring something is actually rude. <laughs> so culturally, well, yeah, culturally, you know, to, to and of course, American way you take something, but culturally, uh, Brazilians are offended when you bring food or bring anything to the gathering. If you're invited mm -hmm. to a gathering, it's, it's a cultural well, thing. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a European thing, but we're going to have a different thing when okay. the Brazilians learn. <laughs> when those Brazilians learn to um, be in sync with the Most High, whoever they mm -hmm. may be, yeah. that they're going to have to recalibrate that because we're not going to go with that custom. Yeah. Um, I bet you the I bet you the African Brazilians bring stuff though. I tell you well, that they've been, they've been I think different because growing up I remember. To, you know, to take something, was it something rude? Like, even when I came to the U.S. and, you know, people would come to the house, my mother would have things. 
it was like a rude thing to bring food to a party where there's going to be food. Not so much like a gift or something, but to bring food to a party where someone says, I'm having, unless, unless they do what they call American party, where you bring something, mm-hmm. they call it the American party is what they call it. Um, but to bring food to, an, to a gathering where Brazilians are inviting you is considered to be rude, unless they've asked you to bring something. Lost, we lost you. Hold up one second. Mm-hmm. While we're waiting, I got that, um, that people for the place sake. This is Second Maccabees chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, Nevertheless, God did not choose the people for the place sakes, but the place for the people's sake. Yeah, sorry guys. Okay, Raphael, can you finish reading the, um, can you finish reading the portion that you're reading in about the gathering? There's another paragraph. Yeah, second paragraph says, for it is a good thing for those that are, for it is a good thing for those that are of the same stock and under the same institution of laws, not to be acquainted with each other which acquaintance will be maintained by thus conversing together and by right. seeing and talking with one another and so renewing the memories of this union. For if they do not thus converse together continually, they will appear like more strangers onto one another. Isn't that the case? Mm-hmm. So that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the so that's the case. You know, the case is if we're not acquainted, we'd be strangers. So what kind of thing is that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what has been going on with us. Okay, so we have to change that by starting to gather, by getting in alignment. We can't just not be in alignment with each other. We can't just not gather. We can't just not show up. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You went mute. Okay, let's continue. Huh? Let's continue. Um, go back uh, to... Let me see. We were in Leviticus. Uh, Yes, let's go back to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23. uh, And we was at verse 
25. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Verse 26. And the Most High spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an okay. holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High. So people will be like, well, how come y'all not doing an offer made by fire? Because that's why the Messiah came, so that a lot of those practices that we were not going to be in a position to observe, that he would make um, an atonement for us, that the Most High would make an atonement for us and a pardon for us, because usually we would take some kind of lamb, some kind of blood of some kind of goat, some kind of turtle dove. Now the blood of a man is more greater than the blood of an animal. But some believe that we should still be doing animal sacrifices and that the blood of a man is worthless. If the blood of a man is worthless, then so is the blood of an animal. If the whole thing is condemned, if no man can save you, then no animal can save you. Isn't that a good argument? Mm-hmm. Why would the most I accept the animal of, of a sheep, a goat, or a total, turtle dove, but he would not accept the blood of a son of the most high? totally absurd so the blood of the Messiah is what is the only thing that prevents you from having to do those sacrifices on these days but nonetheless an atonement has to be made um, so hold that uh, Raphael see if you can look up um, uh, the word he is our propitiation I believe it's first John chapter 1 P-R-O-P-R-I-A-T-I-O-N, I believe is how you spell it. Yeah, I got it. Let's see here. Why am I going here? Because the Messiah has become the gateway. Just like how the high priest was the gateway. Here's the irony. The Messiah lives forever. The high priest has to keep dying and being reelected. So just like how the high priest has to be reelected, or just like how they had to do that back in the days, we don't have to do that anymore. You have one high priest. What does he do? Takes your prayer to the most high. What did the high priest do before? Take, it, take the prayers before the most high. So this high priest, we'll get somewhere, something. Well, this high priest. I just need to go to CVS. Okay. Okay. So this high priest. This high priest takes your prayer literally before the Most High. Unlike the high priest in the past who took it into a tabernacle amongst the, um, the, the vices such as the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, like it was really symbolic, but it still wasn't. Your prayers wasn't any more valid by the high priest who was corruptible than the high priest that's not corruptible. Who else took it to a real high priest? Abraham. Abraham took his prayers to Melchizedek and offered and, and offered sacrifices. Not offered sacrifices. Offered a tenth part to Melchizedek because Melchizedek was a real high priest. Christ is a real high priest. Aaron was an appointed high priest. All the rest of these people running around now calling themselves high priests, total blasphemy. I don't care how they spell it or what language they use, you are not a priest unless you're immortal. As it is says in Hebrews chapter 11, anyone listening or wants to check that out, you can check that out. 
if anyone is listening to the recording, check it out. Hebrews chapter 11. High priests that are of the flesh are temporal. The Messiah is the high priest. So just for anyone wondering, well, how come you guys not doing the sacrifice, you know, killing the animals? We have to do that anymore. Because the real high priest take it to the real most high. <laughs> not symbology. The real high priest takes it to the real most high. And that's how that goes. All right. All right. Let's go into that scripture that you found. Okay. And um, let's read that. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and he is the appropriation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation. Look up the etymology of what that word means. One second here. I got it, if you want me to read it. Yeah, what does it mean? Atonement, creation. What does it mean? Atonement. Who is the who is the atonement? The Messiah. The Messiah. It's so simple. He is the atonement. Why? Because when you have an issue, he takes it before the Father, knowing exactly who you are, knowing exactly how you made it, said, Father, this is the situation. This is why this is what's going on with Kashaf. This is what's going on with Adam. You know, he's struggling with this. But, but should we not punish him according to the law? Yeah, he, he's, he's going to get there. He's struggling with this. Yeah, Mugabe's struggling with this. Alex is struggling with this. Raphael, she's struggling with that. How do we know this? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 15. How do we know? I can read that if you want. Did you ask somebody to read that? Yeah. No, you could grab it. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. You see how we break the power of the devil? Because we have a high priest really with the most high, who really understands what you're going on in the spiritual warfare and intercedes on your behalf. That's a lot better than you taking it to a high priest that's temporal, who may not be acquainted with your particular situation, kills an animal, and you go home and you scot-free. This is the real spiritual priesthood, not the fake one. No disrespect. And not none of these fake ones neither down here. What else does it say? Verse 15. And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What else does it say? That's Continue. it? Yep. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. What is succor?
What does that mean? Decor, aid, or help? So he's pretty much your attorney before the Most High. Hold on. You want to call legal aid, call spiritual aid. Lord, I need your help. So to not believe in him, you crazy. What you going to do then when you sin? Who you going to take it to? And how is it acceptable? Before you had the physical priest, you had a spiritual priest. Physical priest got everyone's head caught up in a cloud, not realizing that before the physical priest, there was a spiritual priest. Before there was the law, there was Abraham who went to Melchizedek, the high priest. Yes, so sir. they're two carnal minds. I have a, I have a response. What you got? Um, well, when I sin, um, all I do is, is uh, make a verbal prayer. Right. Uh, to who? And I and um, well, to well, since now we're not in the in the times, and I, there is no priest. Physically, I'm right. physical, and so maybe I can be my own priest. Is that nah? Is that valid? Blasphemy. No, sir. Okay. The only way you could be your own priest is if you're an immortal. Hmm. At some point, if y'all will, but you can't advocate on your own behalf. Try that in court. They say whoever is their own attorney. Whoever has a client that's a fool. <laughs> How are you going to advocate for yourself? Father, please listen to Adam. Um, Adam, what do you have to say? I have nothing to say. Okay. Adam's attorney, speak. It's confusion. Look up um, the scripture that says there's one mediator. Please, Raphael or Mugabe. One mediator between God and man. And it's not man himself. Now, you could put in your petition, and you could beseech the Most High. I'm not saying to not beseech the Most High. I'm saying who's going to be in the Most High's ear on your behalf. Galatians chapter Why? 3 and verse 20. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. The Most oh, High is I one. Think, I think you want the one in Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and man, that's the man, Christ Jesus. So is a man a mediator for himself? No. What is a mediator? Look up the definition, please. Mediator is someone that um, talks on your behalf. Uh, but what I can look up the word. definition. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to say the definition a second. A person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement. A go What's between. The conflict? What's the conflict? Sin. Sin. Listen, if me and if me and you, McGarvey, have a disagreement, can me and you solve our disagreement? No. I'm not talking about if we just say, you know what, it's cool. Just give me a hundred dollars. I'm not talking about if we agree. I'm saying if this beef <laughs> You need a, you need some you need a third party to mediate. You need a third party. So if you got sin between you and the Most High, you could pray, but he got beef. He like yo. First of all, I told you that you need to go to a priest to intercede on your behalf. 
Do you have a priest? No, I don't have a priest. Well, what do you have? I got myself. It's not valid. He like, yo, I got beef with you, man. You lucky I'll take care of him. Give me a priest. <laughs> no, nah, I got me. I ain't no priest. You don't want them problems. You want to make sure there's somebody interceding that can speak on your behalf. Because you may end up. You ever seen a guy try to represent himself and get a, get a lot of time? Yeah, worst judgment. Yeah, they they call it they railroad you. They railroad you. You don't know what you're doing. You step up in there, and something that you could have gotten off, they're giving you ten years. So, I have a scripture. We're talking about priests okay. uh, on Hebrews four, chapter four. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen. Uh -huh. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed into heavens, into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. Yeah, you have a high priest. So, no, it's not that you can't pray and ask the most high to intercede. It's just what is the pro I'm only dealing with the protocol. What protocol did he say is the protocol to be heard? And I'm saying, when did he change the protocol from the priest? of the Levite to the prayer of an individual. Because mm. I know it went from high priest to high priest. It went from Aaron to Christ. When did it go from Aaron to nobody? Just based on protocol. And if that is the change in protocol, where does it say that? What about, because the first um, entry into the first covenant was with blood. There was blood that sealed that deal. Then there was blood that sealed the new deal. What was the blood in between that allowed a man to advocate for himself? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Back then. But what is the what what allowed a man to say? I'm going to do this according to the protocol. I'm going to advocate for myself. No animal, because you can't just do this. Now, you have people doing that in the form of witchcraft now, don't they? They find a little chicken or a little goat from, the, from wherever, and they doing little sacrifices. That would be the only thing a man could say he's doing. Like, no, I'm doing my own sacrifices. for Something got to die for what I did. I'm going to kill an animal. I don't advocate for it, but I'm saying... That would still be like, well, I'm going with the old covenant. But what allows a man today to do a covenant for intercession without a mediator or a high priest? So that's what I want to understand. But go ahead, Adam. You had a point you want to bring up. Um, well, my question is, if the protocol can't be broken, because I'm not seeing anything, I mean, that's kind of pretty apparent that's like a downgrade for him to go from a institution of priesthood to like now we can mediate for ourselves why wasn't that the case the whole time but so when was if the protocol is there um where can we see because the times have you know shifted that the priesthood was still alive all the way through like was there because I know the Levitical priesthood in Aaron's line, like at some point, it just, it just, it wasn't around, or you couldn't pinpoint where his lineage was. What was people right. doing 
in between? Was they waiting for the prophecy of the great high priest? And is that pinpointed as prophecy for us to, to be able to tell? Or was it, was, or, or you know what I'm saying? Because I'm wondering right now, we have this understanding, um, but we're in a different time. But what was happening in between, um, like the time where, you know, the priesthood physically was like not really happening, but you still had the protocol? Like, what was the deal with that? When was the priesthood protocol changed? No, what I'm saying is, like, I, I'm not sure historically or, or, or at what point that Aaron's line of the, of the, the physical priesthood, like you said, they, go, they, they kept going from high priest to high priest. At some point, you know, the temple was destroyed and, and, and that, that wasn't happening. But you're saying right. that the protocol didn't change. So what was people doing and what was Israel doing until the Messiah came as the great high priest? Was there some other protocol that prophecy says is valid for sin? Until the until Messiah that's... came, they was doing animal sacrifice. The Pharisees Even... and all of them people was doing the animal sacrifice. Up until the Levites were still doing that up until the Messiah. Oh, okay. So they so they was. Okay. Yeah, they was doing it up until the Messiah. Whether they was doing it totally up to protocol or not, because I think they had the temple rebuilt. I think um, Herod had a, had a role in helping that temple be rebuilt. So they were still doing a similitude. Remember the Messiah said, man, I'll knock down this temple in three days. You know? Um, so when it was destroyed, yeah, in 70 AD, that's when it, it hasn't been rebuilt since then. Well, before like, 70 AD, when the Messiah became um, the gateway, they had the physical temple. You know, you even remember reading how the, the temple uh, curtains was rent when he died. Um, so the protocol was changed. Now, did everybody embrace the new protocol? I'm sure they didn't. But the protocol that was relevant was the Messiah. Why? Because he kept with protocol that blood was shed to enter into covenant. Prayer was never um, officially, it didn't go like from blood of animals to prayer. It, it, it went from the priesthood under the Levites to under the priesthood after the altar of Melchizedek. It never went to any other thing. So there was always a high priest. Abraham dealt with a high priest. The children of Israel dealt with a high priest. And then when the Messiah came, he was the high priest. Still is. What changed the way a high priest is brought into high priesthood? All of the covenants were sealed in blood. When the children of Israel entered into the first covenant, it was sealed in blood. When the Messiah entered into the priesthood, it was his blood. The only thing a man could do for his blood to be acceptable is to die. Let's read that. I think we need to go over it. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 goes into it. Starting at what verse? Um, let me see. Start from verse 1. 
I'm going to say this before you read. Mm -hmm. uh The very existence of the Levitical priesthood was only a replica of what was supposed to be a real thing. It's going to explain this in what we're about to read. So pay attention and let's see if we can just get through this one real quick so we can get back. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered continually year by year make those who come unto it perfect. Let's read that again. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the thing could never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there onto perfect. So even while they were doing the animal sacrifice, they were still very much imperfect. They were never really forgiven. It never really did the job. Their conscience was never changed. Nothing changed. It was a show. So should we go back to that show or should we create our own show or should we get to the real show? The real show is you need a real high priest advocating for you. What was being done with Aaron and then was a shadow. It was a rehearsal. No disrespect. I respect the ancestors, but we have to put it in perspective. It was a rehearsal. So that thing that was being done that we hold to the highest esteem was a, was a rehearsal. It, and it's saying it. Continue. For then, would, for then would not sacrifices have ceased to be offered? For worshipers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sins. Continue. Okay. Can you hear? Now I can hear you had disappeared. If, the, if what they were doing was perfect, they wouldn't, they wouldn't stop doing it. There would be no reason for us to talk about the Levites are no longer doing what they're doing. They would keep doing it. It wasn't perfect. There was a flaw in it. You cut off. You mute. Can y'all hear? No, I can hear you. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. It would have been a done deal. Are you, are you healed? I'm healed. I will never do it again. Good. That's not what was going on. It was like, oh, I keep doing this. Hey, I ran out of um, lamb. You got any lamb in your yard? Yeah, I got about two left. Yeah, I'm going to need a lamb. <laughs> lamb shortage. Like I said, you got to go to Lamb Depot because the sins was more than the animals. Read on. Read it two again, please. But then we're and not read it sacrifices. Slow, but you're rushing through it. Read it slow so you can get every word. Okay. For then would not sacrifices have ceased to be offered? For worshipers, once purged, should have had no more consciousness of sins. You're reading a non-KJV. Can you get a KJV for me, please? Oh, it says here KJV. Hold on. Sorry. No. Okay. No. Hold on. Give me a second. They might say NKJV, which means not KJV. I haven't pulled up, Elder. Uh, let her know. Let her get it. Okay. 
It was a 21st century, sorry. <laughs> um, let me start over. For the law again, having... Again, remember, they shall seek to change time. You see how they try to slip it in there? Mm-hmm. It's just KJV, 21st century. King James was around in the 1600s. How are you going to have a 21st century version? Mm. You see how tricky they are? You got to always pay attention. And I can tell by the sound when it's wrong. Let mm. so me start over. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. But then right. would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worship It wasn't a question. Like I said, you have to read it correctly. If it's not it a question, a, don't read it as a question, right? It has a question. Oh yeah, you're right. There. Oh you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> For then would they not have ceased to be offered? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. For them, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscious of sins. Right. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Right. But it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. What does that say, Adam? For it is not possible, verse 4, that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. So what do we do now? Even if the, even if the Levites were set up, is your sin going to be removed because you kill a lamb? No one is really in the heavens advocating for you, for real. Read that, read that one more time, please. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Read on. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings. What does that Sacrifices and offerings will die mm-hmm. not. What does he want? He wants, he wants your, us. He wants us. <laughs> he wants you to live the life. Mm-hmm. He wants your body to be the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He wants it to be sacrifice. his will, not your will. That's what There's, he really wants. So when you change and be like, yo, I'm not going to do my will no more, Father. I'm going to do your will. I'm going to listen. That's acceptable. Mm-hmm. All of this symbology and who, who's going to kill the animal? Well, who's going to? No, it's, it's a spirit. When you change, then the Messiah could be like, you see, Father, I told you, man. Mm-hmm. I told you what he knew. He was going, look at him, man. He's trying mm-hmm. to listen. His life is all about, see? That's the, that's the real deal. So they're uh, making it seem like because we're following the Messiah, we some kind of not really keeping the word. When the, the written word was put for people who was straight up and down out of order. Mm-hmm. And will never get it right. So we're doing the real thing. I don't care what temple they got set up. It's fake. Until the Messiah's temple is set up. And we'll cover that. We're a little off the beaten path right now. 
But we're doing the real thing, not the fake thing. But it doesn't look as cute. Continue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go over five one more time. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Mm-hmm. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. And mind you, he's quoting the Old Testament. In case somebody says, well, that's the New Testament. He's quoting what was in the Old Testament. McGarvey, if you're in your actual Bible, you can see the precept. Where he's quoting it from. I think it's in Jeremiah or something. Sacrifices will he not have, but what? No pleasure. No pleasure. What does he have a pleasure in? You. Mm-hmm. Shifting yourself and being the sacrifice. Your mm-hmm. whole life. His. You belonging to him. Now, that's also in Romans 12, 1. What else got in it? There. Uh, let's see. Um... Then said, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written for me to do thy will, O God. Mm-hmm. It's written of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else? Verse 8, above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not. Uh-huh. Neither had his pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Right. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. He take away the first that he may establish the second, because to do thy will is the whole point. Mm-hmm. We've lost our way. We forgot that what was given to Adam was love my way. Do what I need you to do. Love me, do my work. We we lost sight of that and mm-hmm. we become we become idolaters. We've lost sight of his intention, and we got caught up in all of these ceremonial things. And that's the issue. I have something in Hosea 6 for that, if you want me to read it. What you got? Yes, sir. This is Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, For I desire steadfast love, and not sacrifice, the knowledge of the Most High, rather than burnt offering. Ooh, that's the Old Testament. Mm. So this is not a new concept. Mm-mm. What he told Adam, he told Adam, he said, he said, uh, love my way. So it's the same message over and over, but we have gotten so ceremonial. We've gotten so religious. <laughs> we forgot what his intention was. And so we keep pushing the religion over the intention. Everybody, everybody on the same page? Yes, yeah. there's also a first Samuel. Chapter what you 15, got? if you want me to get that too. First yep. Samuel, chapter 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, As the Lord ha- has, has the Lord as great delight, burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, right. to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. How about that? So there's no way around that. We've lost our way. Hold on one second.
Okay. So we know <laughs> that we have to get back in alignment. That's what it's saying. We lost our way and we become religious. <clears throat> okay. Um, look up the word tradition. Look up the word tradition. Okay. And see the one in Matthew about tradition. Grab that McGarvey and read that, please. You said tradition? Tradition? Is that what you said? Yes, that's what you said. Okay. Um, this is Matthew chapter 15. I'll start from verse 1. Then came Messiah. Then came to Messiah, the scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the command of the Most High by your tradition? For the Most High commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Verse 5. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Verse 7, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. McGarvey? Yes. I think he, I think he dropped. <laughs> That's live for the recording, though. I'm sure he'll come back in. It, was this like until whenever, or was this two hours? Because we're at two hours now. Um, I don't know. He didn't specify. Okay. Mm-hmm.
Okay, sorry about that. Can you, you want to read that? Uh, yeah, you want to read that Matthew again? Yes, please read it again. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1. Then came to the Messiah scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of the Most High by your tradition? The For traditions is a contradiction of the, um, of the Most High. So they're so stuck on the traditions. Oh, well, did you wash hands? And oh my God, well, it's, it's, it's 745. And getting so lost, you become an idolater of the intention and not a, a righteously walking person. You just become like an idolater. You are idolizing the Torah, the actual book. You're idolizing the Sabbath, the actual day, waiting for the sun to go down. Who else watches the sun? but a sun worshiper. You're chasing the sun. You're idolizing the book. You're idolizing fringes. You're idolizing um, men. Total foolishness. Then the basic thing that you're supposed to keep as far as love for your brother, true love, all kinds of gray areas. All kinds of trying to be lords over the most high men and women. You could go as far back. You could ask anybody that ever taught if I ever tried to be a lord over them. I lord over my family, lord over my children. I don't lord over other people. These men are lording, these women are lording over people, trying to be people they're not. Until it's time for them to perform the actual lord duty, and now you can't do no lord duty. Pass that back to Kazar. Put it to the back. Okay, sorry. All right. So let's continue. Let's go back to where we were originally. Adam, are you present? You might have to unmute if you're present. I can't tell if he's on or not. He's here, but he's just muted. I don't know if he's around or not. Muted. Okay. All right. Let's get off of this particular um, vein. Let's go back. But the whole idea is that we have lost our way and have become more interested in the, uh, the uh, what's the word, the show. We've become more interested in the rehearsal than the actual show. So that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be living. The Father told me in 2013, we need to have an interactive delivery. Very much involved. Very much hands-on. What's up? I need to go back. Okay. Very much hands-on. Very much real. Okay. Unlike what we're doing now with this kind of religious observance. What's the difference between some of us and the churches? Except the garments and the days. What's the difference? Who's delivering the people for real? Hey, we the real ones. We're here. My computer froze. Huh? I was just saying, my computer froze. You called for uh, the, My answer yeah. is, the difference is that we, we operating with the power of the spirit and, and, and acting upon it. Yeah, if we, if we apply the spirit. 
a lot of times we not apply the spirit. Some people in the church are more spiritual than a lot of us Hebrews. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Some of them have more order. Some of them believe. Some of them are more in tune with the spirit than some Hebrews. Some people who don't even go to church are more righteous than those of us who know the law. Let's prove that. Let's look at Romans chapter um, chapter 2, and then we're going to wrap up. Romans chapter 2. What do we have? Romans chapter 2, start from verse 1. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever Ooh. thou art that judges. Whoever you think you are, they're saying that these people who don't know the law are worse than you who do know the law. Because when you know the law, you are a whole different level of accountability than an ignorant person. But those who don't know the law have an excuse, like ours didn't know. But the judge, what does it say? Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Okay, how? Read on. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. But <laughs> well, what? For thou that judgest doeth the same things. You got a different garment, but you got the same spirit. You want to know how we know that is true? Because you will have a Hebrew, a Muslim, and a Moor, and they got the same transgressions with different garments. Mm. All the sisters crying out for the same thing. <laughs> All the brothers that's underneath their leadership crying out for the same thing. All the different thievery and robbery and madness is the same thing, different garments. What's the difference? That's the coldest thing. What's the difference? The difference is if you believe that they're exempt. Nah, man, bro, don't do that, man. Nah, no. Nah, they're Hebrews, man. They're Hebrews. Read it again. This recording gonna get me in trouble. They're gonna come for me, and I'm gonna come for them too. <laughs> Romans chapter two and verse one. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever right? thou art that judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judges doeth the same the thing. The same thing. What else? How? Verse 2, uh -huh. but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Verse 3, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Because you got on fringes? Because you got on a kufi? Because you wear a hat with a tassel? Because you saying Allah, because you got a rug, because you got a couple of Morris Science books, which one of us going to be exempt for wickedness because of the clothing we wear and the book we hold? Righteousness is righteousness and wickedness is wickedness everywhere. 
But we think because we got the scriptures that we can do a peculiar kind of wordy modification of what's true. Nah, that don't really. I remember brother stealing and saying, nah, man, you know what I'm saying? We just taking back, you know, from Esau, you know, what he took from us. After doing three years, it'd be like, how did that go? Stealing is stealing. And Hebrew stealing in the name of righteousness is the same as anybody else stealing in the name of whatever, in the name of necessity. Stealing is stealing, isn't it? Isn't it not? So we make special arrangements for us because we are Hebrews or because we are Muslims or whatever. Read them. Verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 4. Oh, despisest thou, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to leadeth thee to repentance? The goodness of the Most High leads you to repentance. Like we had that conversation the other day. When you start really looking at your way, you're like, man, the Most High is merciful. You mean to tell me you've seen all of that? Wow. Yeah, I got to give myself. Because you realize that he lets you play a long time. I don't have to see for me. If y'all more clean, I tell y'all, he, he, he really is merciful with me. Hallelujah. Me too. Because I should have been yanked out embarrassed and all that some of this romans 3 is me or romans 2 is me all the rest of the self-righteous cringed up y'all could play that game we got to get it all tight so that's all record continue romans chapter 2 and verse 5 but after thy hardness and impotent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. And That's when you can't be corrected. See, when you can't be corrected, then you pile up the punishment. When you can't see the fault and fix it, then you're in trouble. But if you can see it, like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I see some things we need to do. Cool. Ain't nothing, man. I mean, we all... You know, we all fall, but we don't all realize we fell. And that's what this is about. Continue. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. But after thy hardness and impotent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds to them... Amen. To who will render to every man according to his deeds. In what order? To Read them up. who by patient countenance in well do it in well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal and life. What? <laughs> Everything and you're talking about, right? Eternal life. Because you're seeking a real kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven for real. That's what we're really seeking. Okay? What else? Verse 8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Read on. Verse 9. Tribulation and anguish 
upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. So it's going to start at the house of the Most High, and then everybody else is going to get whooped too. So nobody's exempt, but it gets better. Read on. Verse 10, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So there's a chronological order of punishment and a chronological order of honor. But nobody's exempt. What else? Verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with the Most High. Don't care what and how you dress and what you think. You got to be thankful that you hear some words that will help you correct yourself. And forget about all of that rank based on garments and bloodline. Wickedness will be punished first <laughs> and righteousness will be rewarded first. To the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. Continue. Verse 12. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law in shall the be law, shall by be... the law. So the Jew is going to be punished according to what he is saying that he believes, and the Gentile will be punished according to what he didn't know was going on. As we said earlier. But there's not going to be no exemption for your ignorance. It's just going to be the the variance of how you be punished. Oh, you ain't know? Okay, well, I'm going to give you two punches in your stomach, but for the one that knew, he's going to get six. But everybody getting punched. That's what it's saying. But the Hebrew is saying, oh, I'm exempt from being punched because, you know, most high, the law, okay, you're going to get punched more. That's what it's saying. The Hebrew thing is not an exemption. It's actually a greater accountability for the spirit, your conscience, what's written, all of it. All right, let's continue. You said continue? Yes. Um, verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before Most High, but the doers of the law shall be justified. The doers shall be justified. Could you, share the link, could you share that link with Adam? Because his computer crashed. Could you like text it to his phone or something? I can't text it. I'm driving. Okay, okay, okay. Um, verse 14. If Rafaela can text it to him or something. Okay, I, he got the link. He'll get on, though. Okay. Um, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by yeah. nature... The things contained in the law. Wait, pause. If the Gentiles who know not the law do by nature the things that are written in the law, how are you going to tell them they ain't doing it when they're doing it according to common sense and nature? Is a Gentile that's keeping the law in nature righteous than you that's keeping it because thus saves the Lord in the scripture? You're more righteous? Is that what we're supposed to understand? You're more righteous because you're doing what's written and he's doing what's right? I just want to understand if that's what we say. Is the child who is doing what is right according to his conscience, which is... You're cutting up. 
We can't hear you. Or is it all the same thing? He who does it according to nature is right, correct. Because you like so if you, if a Gentile you drop your wallet and a Gentile say, Hey but you dropped your wallet. Oh man, thank you. I appreciate that. Versus the person who is a Hebrew and is struggling with giving you your wallet, but you know the most high man, I don't want to get judged for this. Let me give this man his wallet. Which one is more righteous? <laughs> the Gentile or the, or the, or the Hebrew? So we the have Gentile. a lot of self. The Gentile, because the Gentile is like, man, this is the right thing to do. The Hebrew struggling, man. Back in the days, I used to be a klepto, man. It's hard, but ah, well, we keep the law. <laughs> struggling. And then you go look at the Gentile like, man, Gentile, most of are going to judge y'all. <laughs> Tell me that's not what's going on right now on the planet. That's exactly what's going on. So that foolishness got to stop because you're not more righteous than him. Hold that. Grab um, Romans chapter, Romans 1 and 9 real quick. Okay. Okay. Romans 1 and 9. One second. Romans 1 and 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Romans 3 and 9. Sorry, Romans 3 and 9. What then? Are we better than day? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they were all under sin. So you getting a chance to be an example and not be an example. You're not better than them. Okay. Hold on. Hold on a second, guys. Okay, sorry. So that self-righteous thing got to stop because we're looking at the Gentile and judging our righteousness based upon our nationality. So these people might be right. You know, they may be an Indian woman or an Indian man or a Pakistani or a white person or whoever that just might do an act that's a, that's a just act. But we're thinking because we're Hebrew that our act is superior. We're here to be examples. That's it. <laughs> this is what the Father wants the world to do. Here we are being examples of it. We've taken that to a whole other level of self-righteousness that's just not correct. Okay? So are we better than they? No. <laughs> no way. 
because we've concluded that both Jew and Gentiles are out of order. Okay? But we are supposed to be the examples for the world. All right? So let's go back to Romans. Please, McGarvey. Okay. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. For when the Gentiles have which not the law, for which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Isn't that where we're supposed to be going? Where it's supposed to be in our hearts? Are we supposed to be right? Absolutely. So we can't, we can't judge them if they're doing what's supposed to be right. It's like telling somebody to stop at a red light, just stop at a red light. And thinking you're superior because you stopped at the red light in a Bentley and they stopped at the red light in a Corolla. Well, they stopped. Running the red light in a Bentley is going to be the same ticket as running the red light in a Corolla. Stopping and stopping. So if they're doing what they're supposed to do, according to the Most High, you don't have nothing to teach them. And if they're doing what they're supposed to do and you're not, they got something to teach you. Hmm. Read that. Continue reading that. Verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by the Messiah according to my gospel. Verse 17. <laughs> Behold, thou art called a Jew and re resettest in the law and makest thou boast thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness. Right. An instructor so of that's the what, that's what we That's what we tell ourselves. We are the examples. We are the children of the Most High. We are the chosen. We are the guides. We are the, we know the law. Okay, well, all right, all right. Good, 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 good. <laughs> But if a Gentile's doing that thing naturally, you ain't got nothing to show them. Yeah, how humble is that, McGarvey? It, it deflates the whole chest of all the self-righteous Hebrew Israelite stuff and all the self-righteous Muslims and all the self-righteous Moors and all the self-righteous whoever. And you got people who are the other nations that are more righteous than us hmm. by nature. And they don't even have the oracles. They only have the oracles. Continue. Hold on. Verse 20. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Verse 21. Thou therefore which teachest another Teachest not thyself? Thou that <laughs> preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Uh. Verse 22. Thou Look, that sayest a man... Teaching, some of them is teaching, and they're stealing whole people's daughters. Sheesh. They're stealing people's whole legacy. They're stealing people's time. They're stealing people's honor. 
They stealing people's lives. What the hell are they talking about? That's why you like, you ain't got nothing to teach me, man. Period. Well, take them fringes off. You forgot the law. <laughs> Start doing fringe They're not functioning. Yeah, yank it off of them. Give me them fringes. They're you not gonna functioning this correctly. <laughs> not at all. The fringes are Let's not continue. functioning correctly. Verse yeah, 22. Mm-hmm. That thou that thou that says a man should not commit adultery, dost thou mm-hmm. commit adultery? Oh. Thou that abhors idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking through breaking the law through breaking the law dishonorest thou God? Verse 24. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. Through you. As it is How written. cold is that? So you're supposed to be the example, and you be an example of what not to do. So y'all can read that in the rest in your own spare time. But I just wanted to bring that out. Like, listen, this kind of you in because you looked the part is not going to fly. For none of us. We are despicable examples of what we're supposed to be doing. And these nations got it together, a lot of them. Someone told me, they say, you can tell what type of men are in a community by the way the community is operating and the condition of that community. Based on that alone, we don't have nothing to tell nobody. Not only the physical community, the spiritual community, the virtual community, we ain't got nothing to be boasting about. But amongst each other, we boast about how much money this one is making and how many wives this one got, but we don't really have nothing to boast about concerning functional, operating, righteous society. You got elders who've been serving for 30 years, dying, or have nothing, nobody can't bury them. Totally foolish. So, we'll end on that particular um, part. Let's go look at the future concerning these seven days. So, we have seventh month. We have seven Sabbaths. I covered that. We have seven days of tabernacle. The seven days of tabernacle, I think you have to get to that uh, Leviticus 23. Um, See if you can get to that part, McGarvey, please. I'm sorry, because you said that one more time. Leviticus 23. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's where where we were at before, yeah. Uh, All right, let's go back. Uh, in uh, Leviticus chapter 23, I'll start with verse 26. And the Most High spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month, there, sh- there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be in holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High. Verse 28. Mm-hmm. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Most High, before before the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. Verse 29, For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatso, whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. 
Verse 31. Because, it takes, because you should be able to atone. Because if you were sick, you wouldn't work. And if you were told by the enemy not to work, you wouldn't work. So we need to be able to observe that. Verse 31. Okay. You, shall do no, you shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Right. Verse 32. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. From even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. And that's where we at right now. What else? Verse 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Most High. The fifteenth day of the what? Of the seventh month. How would we know it's the fifteenth day? It's a full moon. Day after the full moon. The, the day after the full moon. But we also know because we'll be keeping track from the first day. <laughs> and we'll be counting. And we'll be right. observing. You know what I'm saying? According to this world, the fifteenth day of the seventh month is July fifteenth. <laughs> if it was being one hundred. They trying to override and, 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 and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Keep it. If you're going to keep their calendar, keep the whole thing. Start the year off in January. The seventh, the seventh month is July. Like, do the whole thing. They're doing a little bit of moon and a little bit of food. That one hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Mixing it up a little bit. They got a GMO's, GMO righteousness. A little bit of... European, a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of my own understanding. Let's go. All right, let's continue. Continue, Mugabe. Uh Yeah, I, I muted myself. I'm sorry. Um, Leviticus okay. chapter 23 and verse 34. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The 15th day of this seventh month, shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Most High. On the first day shall be in holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High. On the eighth day shall be in holy convocation unto you. And you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no servile work therein. Verse 37, okay. mm -hmm. these are the feasts of the Most High, which, he sh which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Most High, a burnt offering, and a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, everything upon his day. Okay. So they try to make it seem, okay, well, that was then, this is now. Let's look at the future. The future says in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12, um, if you can please grab that from 12 to 17, Raphaela. Yes, it says Zechariah. Zechariah. Mm -hmm. What was the chapter one more time? Chapter 12, verse 17. 17, okay. Zechariah 12, 17. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12. I'm sorry. Okay. Zechariah 14, verse 12. 
And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. You, you know, you ever seen a movie when a nuclear bomb hit, what happens to the people? Well, that's read it again and imagine a nuclear bomb hitting. Because mm. that's definitely going to hit Jerusalem. You think them Iranians is playing? You think they're going to let these Europeans come and take what they've had for centuries? No, ma'am. It's going to be problems all over. Okay, read that. Continue. Yes. Okay. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all of the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. Because what happened, this is talking about, this is the same scripture as Ezekiel 38. I think I went over it with everyone. We're talking about how those nations are going to come against us when we are in unwalled cities and come and try to take us and destroy. And so it's saying in that future, when all these nations that are left, after they, every man is on his brother, read that verse one more time. Um, and Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all of the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. Right, because all of their wealth and everything that they have, after they lose the battle, is going to be gathered together and put into our treasury under the Messiah and under the 144,000 of the disciples underneath that righteous rulership. All their stuff is going to be put up under it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Continue. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and all of the beasts that shall be in these tents as this as this plague. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacles. Of the what? <laughs> of the tabernacles. Okay. So the nations that are left after they finish getting whooped and put in order are going to keep what? The tabernacles. So when we were out rehearsing the righteous acts in the place of drawing waters, Egypt, America, when we're delivered, we also are going to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody's going to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? Any questions about that? No questions. Any thoughts? Garvey? Um, yeah, actually, I think I wrote something down at the beginning. Hold on, let me get to my notes. Um, oh, um, in the beginning, you, we talked about um, grudges and letting go. Um, and I was uh -huh. going to ask, is it is it on the behalf of the offended to offer the peace or reconciliation 
um, or how do we go about doing that, you know, um, for the atonement? If there's anything that needs to be done or like if we've been offended, is it just like, okay, well, I, I don't hold this in my heart anymore. Or I don't, yeah, I don't you want to let it go. You definitely want to let it go. I mean, if somebody's saying, I'm not going to forgive you or you, or you can't reach somebody, just let it all go. Be a peace. You want to get to Can the back? Read? Yeah, we wanna we wanna we wanna let it all go. We don't wanna Can keep holding. Can we write it down? Stuff. Yeah, write it down. All of that, but you wanna definitely let it go. Another okay? another qu uh, question, I guess, to kind of finish that off is, um, if it's let go, and I guess the Most High would bring them to. Or I guess we just keep the lines of communication open just in case something would happen on their behalf. Yeah, you could keep the lines of communication open. Um, but, you know, you don't want to create or cause a repeat of the same offense. But you, you pretty much want to be at peace. You want to create an environment of of oneness with the most high. You don't want to create an environment of you waiting for them to apologize. You're waiting for them to understand. You're trying to explain. Just let all that stuff go, man. Start fresh. Okay? Yes, sir. Start fresh and, and live, a, live a new life. You know, some of the stuff to be a fan. I mean, I definitely want to let that go and uh, let it go in a healthy way. So it may take some more atonement. But remember, Christ is the atonement. You can do this at any time. This is just the commemorative day for a group where you can let stuff go at any time or work at it, you know, over time. But just try to let it go. And the most um, I have is you being problems. Right. <laughs> That's a fact. Um... And so when, when it says to afflict your souls, um, different people have, have said different things or I've heard different things. What do, what do we understand that to be? Say that one more time, Garvin. I'm sorry. Um, I was saying how people say like affliction, like afflicting your souls. Um, mm -hmm. We consider different for different people. Yep. Um, so what, what, what do we determine how to afflict our, or how do we determine how to, how to properly afflict ourselves in order to commemorate? Well, afflicted souls is a denial, and food for everybody is a denial. Some people maybe technology is a denial. You know, some people may be something else, but we don't want to have everyone doing a different affliction. So that's why the fasting is recommended. But if you think that, you know what, I'm going to do the fast, but I'm also going to take the battery out of my smartphone so I'm not tempted to call, that might be your affliction. You might be tormented. <laughs> I don't know. But if we're going to give everybody the announcement of how should we afflict our souls, I think fasting is the easiest and makes the most sense. If you're craving food and you can't have it, I think that's a good discipline, a good affliction. Hallelujah. All right. Any other questions? Any other comments? Anything stood out that we need to touch on? No, I was just um, earlier we were talking about um, what 
the most high require of us. And I have the scripture in Roman where he talks about to present our bodies as a living sacrifice that's wholly acceptable before God. Um, uh-huh. It was just something that came back to me when we were talking about, you know, like he doesn't want sacrifices, but he wants us to be the sacrifice, you know, present our bodies every day so that the, so they can be used to his glory. Um, Correct. And that's the whole denial, you know, not my will be done, but your will be done. Here is my body. What will you have me do today? And, um, so I, it was just a scripture that came back, you know, when when Romans and that talks may be an affliction, that. and that may be an affliction too. Yeah, and you I was know? I was going yeah I was going to be my next comment because it is an affliction because now you're you're every day you're denying your flesh, which is so used exactly. to doing something your own way and thinking your exactly. own way or making whatever decision you've made for you know x amount of years of your life and looking at a culture that's constantly telling you. It's about you, it's about this, about, you know. Absolutely. Um, and so when we are presenting our bodies as our living sacrifice, and it's about wholly unacceptable, meaning not just coming out here and saying, okay, Lord, here and we will have me do, but it's not wholly unacceptable in the sense where, well, you're still trying to do whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know what I mean? So what it's, oh, it uh, what is acceptable. In excellence. It could be yeah. acceptable in that it is, you're not just giving him any old things either. When you do it, you're not just throwing stuff together. You're doing it with excellence. That's mm-hmm. acceptable as well. Right. Giving him the best that you can give. Right. And um, and so so that's what kind of stood out for me. Um, yep. When you when you were going over that part of sacrifice. Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you guys for hanging out. Hopefully, that information is useful. I know we went over a little bit, but um, hopefully it's useful and you can look at this day a little different and this season is a little different and the rest of the month as we do it with understanding and not just doing it against your own will without understanding or from a religious point of view. Like this is an important day and an important season. And it's actually, even as we do it in the season, it is a replica of a lifestyle shift it's not even just a day or a week or a month this is an entry into that rest so we lived that already so these are kind of like reminders okay because i mean us doing a fast for atonement we fasted this on gp <laughs> and we've been fasting so it, it seems easier somebody else has been fast all year this pain What's the next level? Well, not my will, but your will all the time. After a while, you won't even know the difference between whether you're in a holy day or not because you're in a holy life. You won't feel the shift. So that's kind of where we want to be. All right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, McGarvey, why don't you send up a prayer for us? And um, Adam, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right. All right, McGarvey, you up to bat, my brother. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great and mighty I am, creator of all things, the heaven, the earth, the stars, the universe, and all things that are therein. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the thanks for you, our worthy Father. We thank you for allowing us to have the breath of life 
so that we can commune together. Even if we're not together in the flesh, we are together in the spirit. We thank you for allowing us to be able to have understanding, to have eyes to see and to have ears to hear, to perceive you and to understand you and your ways. We thank you, Father, for the mercy that you have bestowed upon us, even to let us live despite our sins, despite our transgressions, and that you chastise us because you love us and lead us to correction. We ask that our will and our ways be destroyed as we go into this day of atonement and that your will be our will and your ways be our ways and your mind be our mind so that it is no longer us, but it is only you that exists amongst us. We ask you that you continue to reveal yourself unto us. We ask that you continue to provide us with those things that we need. We ask, Father, that you continue to reveal to us those things that you require of us so that we can do them. We ask that they be clear, concise, so that we can understand them correctly and so that we can go towards you, Father, and do your will. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, by which the only name all men shall be saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so I'm going to be quiet, and you guys sit right out, and um, I'll check in with you guys later on. Love. I love all okay. of you. All right. Love. All right, thank you guys. All right, come on. Amen. I'm sorry to hit my line. I got you.